Oh, we're back. Amen. It's been way too long. I have missed this. I hope I still remember how to do it. <laughs> You're going to have to help me out here in case I don't. But uh, welcome back. It's the Covenant Podcast. I am still Linus O'Connor Jr. And he's still Frank Michael Haney III. I think we've been a bit older since the last time we've been on the podcast yeah. together. Hopefully we've grown. Um, but it's been some interesting times. Definitely one filled with change, with transformation, with evolution. And um, also one that's filled with excitement. How'd you feel? Good. Yeah? You know, um, at different times, I know we've tried to make the podcast time as we usually do it on a weekly basis. And I've been out of the country for some time. You've had a few events that have taken you out of town also. And then um, for those who don't know, uh, our church is moving. Uh, we sold our property. We've got a new one. We're still waiting on um, getting some permits to start the building. And so um, there's been positive disruption but it's the kind of disruption that is preparing you for the next level and so um, all of that brings excitement all of that brings um, some just really good positive and optimistic forward-looking aspirations and um, it's a great season uh, to be a Christian it's a great season because I believe firmly that God is doing something great something fantastic and something wonderful and uh, if perchance he sees it fit to use me as an instrument, then uh, all the better. But not a better time to be alive. It's a good time. There's a lot going on. Sometimes more than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> How do you mean? you got to explain that a little bit more. Well, I, I mean, you know, we were so excited when we sold our building and everything. We got a good price for it. And they paid cash and... We were just uh, so excited about everything, but when we had to leave, I was kind of saying, man, I wonder if they'll take their money back. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were really stepping out into into nowhere, you know. I, I guess I get comfortable. Uh, we've been there so long, I got comfortable with just where we were, what was going on, knew the routine and everything, and then now I've got to live by faith again. I don't know if that's <laughs> Well, uh, you didn't, uh, you know, this is what you get for naming the church of the faith. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You could have called it the, you know, everlasting ministry of prosperity and blessings. Yes. And or something like that. Something but like no, that. you had to listen to God and you called it shield of faith. And you're absolutely right. We've, we've had to live by faith. And for so many years, it was something for which we were praying, right? We were yes, actively pursuing right. this mm -hmm. thing. And here comes the day and it has to happen. And you... you you and I were talking right before this, and, and, and for me, the analogy is graduation day. You know, I, I remember whether it was high school or college or grad school. When you start, you, you think of graduation. It's the goal, right? It's, it's, it's the purpose. It's the ambition. And for all the time you're in school, you're looking forward towards it. All the work, all the studying, all the exams, all the tests, you're telling yourself one day it will pay off and I can't wait to graduate. And then I remember after the final exams are done and it's leading up to the graduation day, even the day of, you're looking around and going, wait, this is going to be the last time I'm right. going to be here with these 
guys and girls um, in, in yeah. you, you, you're excited but you know it's not going to be the same it can't be the same and I, 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 I can't help but wonder as much as we look forward to something how well do we prepare for it and how ready are we maybe even perhaps more ready than we give ourselves credit for the next level. Yeah, and then a lot of times we prepare for the wrong thing. Mm. You know, we have our we have our expectations, and then when, uh, when we get to the place where we graduate, then things aren't like they thought we would be, you know? Yeah. And we have, to, we have to adjust, and I think that adjustment period is where uh, a lot of people find, uh, you know, it can be a time where, have to figure out. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, it really was a time where they had to figure out what they were trying to do. Yeah. You know, they had actually gone to, especially university, they'd gone to university and they had a major and they were looking for a job. They got a job, but then once you have to go out there and start that, it can be pretty uh, different than what you expect. So I, I think. Um, what's interesting a lot of times is uh, we get what we want and don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> we're standing there holding it and saying, what yeah. do I do now, you know? And it's, but at the same time, it's really exciting to see that happen. There is an episode of the classic cartoon, The Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. Not many people may have seen it or recall it. But Wile E. Coyote eventually catches Roadrunner. Caught the Roadrunner, yeah. And he didn't know what to do with it. That's right. Ended up just letting him go. And, and, and I think that that is, that is a very, very interesting and important lesson for us to pay attention to because I think it begins to challenge some of the underlying assumptions that we've all held. A lot of people are pursuing goals and... The question is why? They want something. They're clear about what they want. They want a job. They want a marriage. They want a relationship. They want a position. They want a title. They want a particular thing. But do they really know why they want it? What are the reasons for them wanting it? And then when they do get it, are they able to deal with it? Because many a time, the very thing that we want that promotion, that graduation, that elevation, so to speak, is a responsibility. Yes. We, 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 you know, if, if you ask people today, you know, it's, it's sports season. The NBA finals are going on. I just got done watching the Euro, uh, European football championships. Everybody wants to be there at that stage, to be that athlete, to be that star, to be that celebrity, to be that winner. But what people fail to realize, in addition to all of the hard work that happens away from public viewing, is the responsibility that comes with that occasion. It's that responsibility that comes with that moment. And in the finals that I just got done watching, a 19-year-old kid got the chance to take the last penalty for England. Now, as a football fan and as a footballer myself, granted not at the professional levels, you always wish and hope for that opportunity right. for glory. I want to be that person 
who takes my country, my club, my team to victory. And sometimes people never budget for failure. What happens if you don't make that penalty? What happens if it doesn't work out the exact same way that you thought and planned it out? And I think there are far too many people who I think are living with resentment, living with anger, living with even degrees of depression because they didn't get what they wanted. They were looking forward to graduation. And don't get me wrong, they worked hard. They bust their chops. They gave it their all. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And I think just as important as you putting in the effort is the question of what happens if you don't get that. And I think there is a test in that. I think there is a lesson in that. There's a growth opportunity in that. But you sometimes don't know what you're made of till you encounter those kinds of situations and circumstances. Well, you, a lot of people have goals, and that's a good thing to have goals. And mm-hmm. part of the, th- a, g- a couple of things that I want you mentioned, you know, I want to uh, revisit just a little bit. You know, a lot of people have goals, but they're really not their goals. Mm-hmm. They're the goals their parents instilled in them. You need to get an education, and I'm going to pay this money, and you know, you 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 work hard and you get an education, get a good job. So uh, I've met several students that were in their second year and still didn't know really what they wanted to call their major, you know. And so they wanted to graduate and they wanted to get a job. But a lot of times they have the misconception that graduation is the goal. But actually the work begins after you graduate. It's the same thing you had work that you did to be able to graduate, but then you're gonna have to work to succeed in whatever vocation you choose. And uh, I, I think that that actually even even today, uh, you know, we've, we've got a plan to build a church and our goal to build a church, but if we don't have a plan to do what to do after that, then we're gonna be you know, sorely surprised. We have to have we have to have a plan. What are we going to do after we accomplish that goal? And a lot of times, when you have, uh, uh, I've seen several young people, especially graduate from university, and go right into a vocation and do very well. And then I've seen others struggle to where uh, it's just they're not able to overcome that that expectation that they had that once they graduated they were going to have this high paying job that that uh, you know made them be able to buy a house and a car and all the stuff that they wanted all their life yeah. and uh, told that they could have but uh, but that seeing that and having that's a goal is good but you have to realize I- I'm going to be honest with you nothing comes free in this world and you probably heard people say that a thousand times, but and, and no matter, it, it's it's true. We have to we have to be willing to work at what what we want to be successful at. And um, I haven't found a job yet that uh, didn't turn into work, no matter how much I liked it to start with. You know, I've got the dream job. You know, and I, I I've got the dream job. I got the, I've got the. You know, I've got the I've got the manager's position. I've got uh, they pay me a lot of money, but you know what? Guess what? 
they walk in office and say, look, you got to take care of all of these things. And you say, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Mm. You know, I thought I just got to, you know, manage stuff. You know, well, yeah, but, the, you know, you, you've got to take care of this. And one of, one of my, uh, one of my uh, directors told me one day I had a task that I had to do. And, um, <laughs> and I was, I, I guess maybe, you know, just kind of grappling about it a little bit. Know, and and he just told me. He said, "Look, he said, Frank, some days you just got to earn your money, yep. and that's the way it really is. When you hit that, when you hit that graduation, you're all excited. You, <laughs> you know, throw your hat in the air. <laughs> Everybody has a party, and then comes life. And um, I think, uh, you know, even sometimes." When we talk to people, especially younger people, we we need to pay attention to what we say, as opposed to giving them good advice. You know, get a good education, go into yeah. you know something like that. We need to pay attention to what we're saying and encourage them to to be ready to live life. So, so if, if if I may, I would like to unpack a couple of things that you touched on because I think it's it's important to make some really clear distinctions because. You know me, I, I, I love words, and, and, yes. and to me, words have meanings, <coughs> and I always try to be careful in my choice of words, but also um, in other times when I've challenged people, they've thought, dude, you don't have to be that specific, but I'm like, you, you, you kind of have to be sometimes. And, and, and for me, what struck me about what you were saying is that there is a distinction between dreams, goals, and plans, and sometimes people substitute them or use them interchangeably, but they're really not the same. They're not the same, that's correct. To have a dream is, is good. There's nothing wrong with having a dream. It, it, it is part of the human experience. It's, it's part of how we challenge ourselves is that we see something that our, our, our spirit, our, our mind, our selves cleave onto. It's like, that could be good, that could be nice. But not every dream should be one that we pursue unless we have filtered it through the lens of purpose. And as a Christian, it has to be not just my purpose, but God's purpose for me. Because I am convinced that if it's his purpose for me, he will make the provision to help me pursue it. Now, when that dream is now firmly planted, that this is the target to which I will set myself and set my actions and set my activities, I will not be distracted by anything else and everything else. This is the straight and narrow that I'm going to work. And even if obstacles come, I will remain committed to it. Then it has to be backed up with a plan. And a plan cannot be all rosy. It cannot be all only the good things will happen. That's correct. As I said earlier, what's your budget for failure? Too many organizations, too many businesses, too many individuals look at life and the plans that they have and the goals that they have and only plan optimistically. You know, <laughs> I've been around a lot of people who have been in the venture space, starting new businesses. And one thing that's particularly interesting about that space is no one ever comes up, same thing has experienced, I've experienced in my corporate life, 14 years I've been in it. Never once in any one year did we come up with a strategic plan for the year that was negative. It was always positive. For whatever reason, we were going to increase revenue. 
increase headcount. We were going to make a profit. We were going to win. And nobody ever comes up with a plan that says, you know what, this year we're going to lose money. Rarely ever does that happen. Yeah. At least I haven't encountered very many of those. And so I think for us, we have to be real and honest because it's like Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan till you get punched in the face. And everybody has plans till life hits them, you know, till things don't work out, till a pandemic shows up out of nowhere, till a terrorist attack, till a death in the family, till sickness, till, you know, one challenge or the other comes up. And so I think it behooves us before we even start the journey to anticipate that things could go wrong. It's not that we want it to go wrong, but we have to be honest that it could go wrong and consider ourselves how ready we are for it. And so if you're going to go on a trip, let's say from Austin to Houston, you can anticipate that I could run out of fuel. And so to go against that, maybe I should fuel up before I hit the road. I could have a flat, so I need to make sure that I have a spare. I could run into unforeseen issues, and so maybe I should have a little bit of change. It doesn't mean I want these things to happen, but I have to consider that it's feasible, that it's possible. And then when you now have the, the dream and the plan, then it has to be backed up with commitment because you can't start something and turn around from it. Jesus says, the person who puts his hand to the plow and turns around is not worthy of the kingdom. And I've seen way too many people start too many things and not had the commitment to finish it through. And well, one of the things I'm excited about our move as a church, it's, you know, I've been coming to Shield of Faith now 20 years actually yes, this month. Yes. And for that time, it's been, we're going to move, we're going to move, we're going to move, you know? And, you know, there have been times. I've sat back and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, he keeps on saying that. Yeah, sure. But we never wavered from it. We never stopped dreaming, stopped believing, stopped planning, and stopped working towards it. And today, we're at that jumping off the cliff moment where we're at the point of no return. Yeah, we're at the point of no They've return. They've cashed that check. <laughs> They've moved into we the place. They had their <laughs> service there. You know? So, you know, I hope we meant all those things we were saying because now we have to live it. We are going to live it. This is the part where faith meets works. Yeah, and... And, and that's one of the things that, you know, you're talking about a plan. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've always done is there's a couple of things. And I'm not saying I'm an expert by any stretch of imagination, but I've always had in the back of my mind, what if this don't work? You know what I mean? Not, not, as, not as a negative thing but as a kind of a what are we going to do if this doesn't work because I've tried some things that just didn't work mm. even though we had committed huge amount of resources to them and for whatever reason they just didn't work and um, the one of the things that it's helpful if you can be adaptable now some people commit to a course of action and, and they just can't venture outside the lines but I, I, I encourage people to be adaptable to where you don't you, you don't drop your goal or you don't uh, lose your commitment but you have to deal with what you're what you're living that day and when you do that then 
you're better prepared not only for tomorrow but for next year and as you have opportunity uh, you take steps towards your goal and uh, you know I, I, I'm a huge believer in taking advantage of opportunity I've, I've missed so many because I hesitated and you know one, one of the things that happens when you graduate you have huge opportunities and you have to be willing to 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 decide which opportunities you're going to take and uh, and then as you say just commit to it and uh, it's kind of like a lot a lot of people are kind of like a little kid walking down beside the creek you know and they want to jump in they just don't know how deep it is mm -hmm. and <clears throat> You just got to make up your mind. Even if it's over my head, I'm going to swim, you know, and jump in instead of just walking. You Or you can spend your life walking alongside the creek and watch everybody else having all the fun. And uh, I, I've known people who did that. They they were going to do, they have an opportunity and they just couldn't take that step. Mm. And we've had an opportunity and... Uh, uh, I actually, we've had opportunities personally and and corporately as a church to take that step, and so uh, I guess, like you said, we've jumped off the cliff because uh, there's no turning back, and that's not uh, that's not a bad thing. It's it's a good thing. There's there's a phrase that comes to mind for me, and it's and then nothing was the same. In that moment when you take that leap, where you toss the cap in the air, when you cross that finish line, nothing's ever the same. That's right. You can never go back. You know, the proverbial genie cannot be put back in the bottle. Milk cannot be poured back in. It's out, it's out. And a lot of people contend with the thereafter because for whatever reason they have not yet let go of who they are to embrace and become who they should be and that's difficult because who you are regardless of how good or not you might feel you are there's a comfort about it there's a there's there's a contentment almost because it's familiar and, and that's a key right there and, 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 and sometimes familiarity breeds contempt, as they say. But familiarity just builds satisfaction, right? Even though it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's like my car. You know, I've had it for, for 11 years. Yeah. I, I think about all the time, should I get a new car? Should I upgrade? But I go, ah, but I'm used to this one. I like it. I'm comfortable in it. Are there things about it that doesn't work quite? Yeah, but you know what? I know it. I know when it's going to act up, and I know how it's going to act up. And so, I'll, you know, th 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 there's, there's, there's a piece about it that I have made up. Some of it not by choice, right? Because when I wanted to change my vehicle in the past, I didn't have the means. Right. Uh, or things were just not right for it. And so, like I said, you just get comfortable and get used to it. And then finally, when you do have the means, when you do have the opportunity, the question is, 
how much of yourself is tied to that old identity that you're not willing to shed it or let go of it and embrace this new thing. And new is always different. Um, you know this. I'm, I'm going through um, a, 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 a next stage ascent in my, in my professional life. And I've got to tell you, uh, many times on this journey, I've had many a doubt. I've been at the level at which I've been senior manager for five years. I've gotten accustomed to it. I'm very good at it. Yes, yes. I've mastered it that I can almost do it in my sleep. And here is someone saying, you've done well. Let's reward you with the next thing. And all the benefits aside, I'm looking at it and going, ah, I've got to learn something new. I've got to learn to be a partner. I've got to learn to be at that level, to think differently. Because here's one thing that's absolutely clear to me. What got me here is not enough to keep me here. Yeah. And fight as I want to this idea and this notion, I know that I, I need to make peace with the idea that nothing's going to be the same again. Now, it's not a bad thing. Many a time, actually, I believe it's a good thing. In this particular case, it is actually a good thing. There's more influence, there's more responsibility, there's more capacity and capability for me to influence the kinds of change that I think I yes. need to. It's, yes. it's, it's yes. a bigger stage. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that yesterday I was reading in, 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 in a devotion that just, man, just brought it home for me is far too many times we think that we need to take people away from the professional workplace to bring them into the Pentecostal workplace, into the church. And we forget that sometimes our calling is also just as much in the workplace. And so recognizing that, that God is expanding the platform through which I could be influential and be a godly example and in, in, in touch people is what I need to hold on to as opposed to focus on I'm inadequate. But at the same time, even as I just uttered this word, I can hear his spirit just minister to me. He's like, good. I'm happy that you feel that way. Yes. I'm happy that you think that you're inadequate because I do my best job with inadequacy. God never seeks people who are capable. He seeks people who are available. And as long as you're available, he will equip you for the work. He calls Gideon, and Gideon is first to tell you, I am the smallest in my father's house. And God says, cool, I can use that. Moses goes, I'm a stammerer, I can't speak. And Jesus, uh, God says, yes, I can use that. And he's got fishermen and tax collectors. And he wants to change the world. He wants to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. And those are the people that he picks. And they probably had their doubts. And he says, yes, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. That's exactly right. There is no better position that I would rather be in than in a position of inadequacy. At the same time, depending on God. Because when he does it, I know. The world knows that he's the one who did it. And there's no danger in me ascribing that to myself. Because when I look back on the last 13 and a half, coming on 14 years of my career, I was sharing with a friend um, just this week. It's nothing but a story of grace. I joined my firm as an international student on a work visa in September 2007. 2008, the most blessed thing that could happen in corporate America happens the economic downturn and the 
financial crisis. And guess what space I was specialized in? Financial services. Right. So many people who were in a position like me were losing their jobs because American citizens were losing their jobs and so they couldn't afford to keep on non-citizen employees. But somehow God kept me. Through all that stuff, he put me in a position where I could begin to work in the public sector, which, by the way, was the one place I said I did not want to work. But that one thing became a catalyst for a lot of the successes that I've experienced in the intervening 13 years. And here we are, a year ago, a pandemic that is causing a lot of businesses to shut down, businesses to cut back on budgets, businesses to experience significant decline, if not shuttering. And in my experience, my business is the biggest it's ever been. Our revenues are at the all-time highs. And it's in that downturn that God is choosing to elevate me to another level. Yes. And I go, but for the grace of God. Right. Because what my plans were for myself, what my dreams were for myself, did not entail the journey that I took. If you had asked me, I would have taken a different route. It would have seemed smarter. It would have seemed more intelligent. But thank God that he uses the foolish things of this world to confound we who think we are wise. <laughs> because I look back now on all the times that I wrestled with him and all the times that I kicked and screamed on the way, and I go, yeah, my bad. <laughs> I yeah. should have trusted you more. And he goes like, yeah, you should have. But it's all right. You're here. And I think that that's... Uh, one of the things that a, a lot of people experience in uh, in graduating, no matter how you graduate, you, you graduate from one position to another, you graduate from one level to another, and in doing that, you know, uh, I remember when the position I, I came open. Uh, my uh, uh, associate director called me in my office and told me, he said, I want you to apply for this job. And uh, so I actually applied for the job and got it. And so when I found out what it was and I told my wife, she said, do they know you? <laughs> <laughs> and so for... 12 or 15 years, I, I actually worked at a level that I wasn't prepared for or qualified for, but uh, was able to, just by the grace of God. And, and what was interesting, um, we had um, a lot of people that I got to minister to uh, just because of proximity. If I hadn't have been in that position, I would never been close to him. I wouldn't have even got to talk to him. And uh, it was uh, it was really, um, I, I think it was, you know, it wasn't easy, but I think it was a neat experience to have gone through for those years of my life just because um, God put me in a place to do something I didn't know how to do but used me to be able to touch the lives of people around me. And uh, I was, 
I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't comfortable in that uh, environment. But you know, over over the years, I got to where I was I was okay with that. It didn't bother me anymore to walk in uh, one of the big conference rooms and have to give a presentation or any of those kind of things. So, actually, God just kind of trained me along the way yeah. to be able to do what I'm getting to do now. Do you feel that, that there is some, and I, and I don't know if, if naivete or ignorance is the right word choice here, but kind of need a little bit of that to respond to God's call because I, I think the human mind really cannot fully quite comprehend what it is to which he is calling us. I mean, I, I'm imagining right now him speaking to Andrew and to Peter and to James and John, and he says, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, and they go... Okay, okay, sure. sure. And it's like, whoa, you're not going to ask any questions. <laughs> you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. That sounds exciting. I'm game. Are you? They're like, yeah, I'm game. Let's, let's follow the master. And, and they leave everything beside and they follow him. And, 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 I, and I can't help but wonder, did they really understand? No. Because from that day forward, nothing was ever the same. I mean, as fishermen... They've seen some pretty exciting things. I mean, out there in the middle of the sea on some stormy nights, they've seen some, you know, just amazing sights, beautiful sunsets or sunrises. They'd encountered some magnificent creatures, not just fish. And I'm yeah. guessing they've seen, they've seen a pretty thing or two in their life. And then this man from Galilee comes about. And he says, come with me. And they go with him. And, and I don't know how quickly right after they follow Jesus that they see the first miracle of his. Because I'm betting at that point in time they look to each other and go, what in God's name have we gotten ourselves into? But there is such an attraction about the man Jesus. That's it right there. There is such an attraction about who he is. It's, 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 it's why... He can call out to you in the middle of a storm and you do the one thing you shouldn't do. Step out of the boat and walk towards him. There's something about him that when he tells you the master hath need of that, the master wants to have supper here, you go, okay. I... All of the conversations between the disciples aren't recorded in Scripture. Mm. So I think, you know, when they're standing there, uh, I, I think there was some more conversation going on around, you know, like <coughs> they're in the middle of the sea, in the boat, in danger of sinking. They are fishermen. They know that this is a dangerous time. So they wake Jesus up. He said, peace be still, you know. And one of, one, of, one of the guys says, I knew everything was all right. You didn't have to wake him up. Oh, shut up, Matthew. <laughs> you, you, know, you didn't know that. You know, I think there was, and then, then uh, when, uh, you know, Peter's sitting there the, on the example you said, and Jesus comes and said, come to me. And, you know, I can hear one of the other guys say, go on, it's your idea. Go ahead. <laughs> Get in the water. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> and then, and then 
then when they get back in the boat, you know, they can say, they said, yeah, I was going to go, but <laughs> Peter got out before I could, <laughs> you know. I think there was a lot of conversation that we didn't, that we didn't hear about, you know, we're standing out here and, and uh, here's 5,000 people here that need food. This, what are we going to do? <laughs> no. Jesus, because Jesus said, you feed the people. And so they're, they're, uh, they're, I think there was a lot of conversation that, uh, that we didn't hear. And um, I had uh, times when I was given a task. So I think, I think on that that um, with the with the task of having to be responsible for something so miraculous could be uh, could just be challenging on its own. Um, what 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 do we think is going through their minds? Because one of the things that I'm curious to to consider, as, as I often do when and, and you make the really good point about a lot of what we read in the scriptures is not everything that happened, right? There's a lot of conversation, as you said, that is not reflected in scripture and how interesting and how exciting those conversations might be. But I also find it because for me, my curiosity is more about, you know, you know five loaves and three fish, and he uses that to feed 5,000 and there's 12 basketfuls. I think the question that I would have had in my mind would have been, should we have found more? And what could he have done with more than five loaves and three fish? You know, it's, it's, it's akin to the miracle um, of the widow uh, when she goes up to Elisha. She's the widow of a prophet. Uh, he had passed and he, um, he, he, he was in quite significant debt. And Elisha asks the widow and her sons to just go get a bunch of barrels. And the cruise of oil never runs dry till they run out of barrels. And so in that same way, you know, the question that, 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 that I think about is how, how much more miraculous could it have been, right? So they give Jesus five loaves and three fish, and he feeds 5,000 and there's 12 basketfuls. What if they had more? The widow, the prophet's widow and her sons, they fill up all of those barrels of, that they had borrowed, but what if she had more? Where would it have stopped? Would it have stopped? And, and, and that is just one of the, I think the wonderful mysteries uh, that I think is within scripture, because I think the Bible even says it, that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, and it's not entered into the heart of those what is prepared for those who love God and are called according to his, his will. You think you know, you think you can dream up how much more exciting things could have been. And, 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 if, and the truth is, we have no clue the kind of stuff that he has in store for us. I think it allows us to, one of the things that God is really, really good at 
is stretching us, mm. causing us to be able to go to to grow at a to a level that we didn't anticipate and at a rate we didn't anticipate. We can't. We don't. We don't feel like we can. So sometimes it feels like it's too fast. Sometimes it feels like it's too slow. Mm-hmm. But there's always that opportunity to grow. And I think with God, that is the intent with God. Not that we stay static, but that we well, actually go from glory to glory or from one, one step to another step. And it's interesting, as I grow older, some of the things I thought I understood, <coughs> I don't. Some of the things that seem so complicated to me aren't really that complicated. It's just being willing to take the step to follow Jesus. Those guys that, those disciples, he says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Okay. And that's always astounded me. You know, I always said there has to be more to the conversation than that. There has to be, uh, (coughs) but the truth is, is that we have an opportunity to grow and to grow as a person. And uh, I've seen you grow unbelievably, even in the last couple of years. Just you're faced with new challenges. You're faced with things that uh, you had to struggle with and uh, see where you landed on it and then approach it you know, in a way that you could, um, you could actually do something. And I think that that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be in this world and be, um, I guess, static and unprepared to graduate. You know, some people don't graduate because they just won't do the work. I mean, that's just a simple deal. They just won't do the work. But it's not because they can't. It's just they won't. And then <clears throat> we go, but, but God wants us to, to grow and be people who affect the others around us. And I don't mean make them do what we want. I, I don't mean that in that sense. I, what I mean is, is by our conduct, our beliefs, our our. Example, our role even, that we have a positive impact on the lives of people around us. No matter what walk of life they're from, no matter uh, if, they're, if they're rich or poor, no matter what their station in life, we, we can have a positive impact if we'll let God use us. Some people don't do anything because they don't think they have everything they need. You know, and um, I, I think, I mean, I think it's great to have everything you need before you start something. But if you're going to do something for God, that's generally not the way it is. Because like you were talking about a while ago, God wants to supply that. He wants to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And that's the reason he chose fishermen and, and tax collectors and people that nobody else would choose to do something that 
even 2,000 years later, the world has to uh, realize was unprecedented. And it's still unprecedented today because that's what God does is builds people. Something must and needs to be said about the fact that he knows us so well. He knows the things of which we are capable. And he often will apply pressure or put us in situations, you said, to stretch us. And he's not trying to break us. Maybe break our dependency on ourselves, but our dependency on ourselves is a limitation. It's a constraint. He wants us to stretch all the way out to, to who we're supposed to be. And, and, and sometimes I think we feel in our lives that things aren't the way they ought to be. Yes. And he's saying, yeah, I agree. But let me show you how they ought to be. Don't try to self-diagnose and self-treat and self-cure. Let me, your manufacturer, fine-tune you. You've got a motorcycle. Right? There, there's some things about your motorcycle that you know you can do yourselves, but there, there, there's some critical things that you know you will go to the dealership. Yep. Uh-huh. And you say, all right, I got this stuff from you. You know this stuff better than I do. And fix it. And I think that's something that he wants to do. When, when I was a student, especially in, um, in secondary school, I guess it's the equivalent of high school in America, I was a gr- really good student. But I was nowhere near my best because I was not really applying myself. I would come in the top five very easily. <laughs> I never studied. Uh, I, w- I, would, I could absorb what was being taught in class, but you know, I wouldn't go home and study, but I would still come out and make really good grades. And I would always remember um, you know, some of the toughest times that I had at school wasn't in school. It was after school when the results came home with me and you know, I show it to my parents, and, and I can read for you off the top of my head what each teacher said about me. Linus is intelligent, Linus is smart, and then those ever-dreaded famous words, however, however, he could do better. Yeah. However, he should try to pay attention a little bit more in class. However, he should try to apply himself a little bit more. And, and, my, and, and, and I remember one day my dad, my dad, my dad wasn't, he wasn't, my dad was very cool, especially when he was disciplining you. And, and I still remember, he just, it was a combination of the look on his face. Yep. And part of it was disappointment because he was seeing something that I wasn't seeing. He would say things like, the person that came first, do they have two heads? And in my mind, it was incredulous because my siblings had results nowhere near my standards. And I'm like, uh, why don't you talk to them? Like, I'm the star kid. But I didn't understand it then. My insecurities never lo- let me see past that. What was happening was love. What was happening was a father who saw in his son capability and capacity that was going wasted because I was just content by showing up. 
And what he was trying to prepare me for wasn't just for me to just do well at grades. He was trying to prepare me to recognize that anything that I did in life beyond school, school inclusive, required me to give my best. And it wasn't until a few years after that that I really did understand what he was doing and where he was coming from because I still remember that night I went home crying. I'm sorry, I was at home. I went to bed crying. And my mom had to come to me and, and, and I was like, I don't think he likes me. He's like, why is he always being hard on me? Look at my brother and my sister and, and, and this and that. And, 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 and she tried to comfort me with, with these words that I'm saying of myself now that he was seeing something in me that I was choosing not to see or couldn't see. And he was doing this from a position of love. He didn't raise his voice. He didn't right, shout. Right. He, I don't even think he moved from his chair. He, it was just that look of, of disappointment of you, you could do so much better. And when it finally clicked for me, it's something that has stayed with me ever since that I'm very careful about the things that I choose to do because if I'm not capable of giving it my best, then I really have no business doing it. And if I'm going to do something, then I'm going to do it well. Not because I'm in competition with anybody, not because I'm even in competition with myself, but because anything worth doing is worth doing well. And one of the things that I'm reminded is that whatever I do, the Bible tells me, whether in word or in deed, do it as unto the Lord. And so I'm not doing this job for my employer. I'm not doing this for the chance of a promotion. I'm not doing this for the chance of a recognition or a bonus or a salary increase. I'm not doing this to impress her. I'm not doing this so that I can look good. I'm not doing this so that people can elevate me. I am doing this as an act of deliberate and intentional worship to the God yeah. who created me who gave me talent, who has blessed me with time here on this earth and with every breath that I have, it is absolutely, I don't want to use the word mandatory, but I feel like it has to be mandatory that my maker is giving me a chance and I cannot waste it. And I've got to use it right. Yeah. Now, do I always do that? No. But I strive for that. And, and, and whenever I'm not doing that, I thank him for the grace of the presence of the Holy Spirit that's able to just tap me softly and say, is this the best you can do? Is this the best that I've given you to do? Is this the best that I've commissioned you for? I hear that and I go, it might be my best, but my best is never good enough. You help me. And that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's funny because the Holy Spirit is so essential, but for whatever reason, as Christians, we've given him such a backseat right. row. <coughs> I used to think that it was a problem of bad PR because we called him the Holy Ghost that made people scary and stuff. But truly, honestly, I think we have forgotten how quintessential and how absolutely critical the Holy Spirit, the person and the function and the power of the Holy Spirit is for our lives. The Bible says all of creation is, is held together by the, by the Spirit. The Spirit is what keeps that going. But more than anything else, I cannot come to Christ without the Spirit. And when I come to Christ and I receive salvation, it's the Spirit that helps me be transformed so that the way I used to live, I don't live that way anymore. But the power and the nature and the character of Christ comes into me and it transforms me and then it sustains me. In and, 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 and I can read the Bible all I want. And if all I do is read it with my human intelligence, it is going to be a very confusing book because it says some controversial things. It says some outrageous things. It says some scandalous things. It says some mind-boggling things. 
And you can read so many things and you miss the point. But if you want to read a book, who better to tell you about the book than the author of the book? Yes. And the Bible tells us that all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so if I go to the guy and go, Holy Spirit, these are your words. What did you <coughs> intend? You know, remove Paul's bias, remove the bias of the church in Corinth, remove my personal bias and my experiential biases. Tell me what was on your heart when you gave and imparted these words. And the same thing happens with every aspect of our life, whether it's a quote-unquote spiritual thing or work thing or a play thing or a family thing. If we reach out to him and say, help me, help me make sense of this, he will. And we need so much more of that. You know, I've always been, uh, I, I never was much for competition. Never was much for, uh, I don't know. I, I used, my saying used to be this. I may not know the best way, but I know the easy way. Mm. So I was the easy out guy. Whatever I could do, I could do the easiest. Until I found out, God helped me see that I really wasn't the easy out guy. I could do more. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I, I was a person that had uh, an issue with low self-esteem. I didn't see myself as good as others, uh, smart as others, or any of that. But I really didn't realize how other people saw me. But really what helped me was when I realized how God saw me as his child and his expectation you know meeting God's expectation is one of my goals that's what I want to do is I want to meet or exceed his expectations and uh, a lot of times we we, uh, we we try to figure out what that is and if we wait God will tell us a step at a time, not everything all at once. Uh, I, I've had a couple of experiences where I wound up in, in really dangerous places. And so I have a conversation with God after that, and I say, God, I said, why did you have me go there? And, you know, I knew I got to minister to people there, but I said, why didn't you tell me? And God said, well, one reason is because you wouldn't have went. Mm. And so... God helps us as we go through our life to uh, not only expand our knowledge of him, but expand our knowledge of human nature. And a lot of times, uh, that's not very pretty. And uh, as we look at ourselves, sometimes uh, the Bible tells us not to think of ourselves more highly than we should. And uh, a lot of times, uh, it's not really thinking of yourselves more highly than you should. I think the problem nowadays is people don't think of themselves high enough. But really, uh, I remember the day that I retired. And 
I remember standing there with uh, people, and uh, some of those people I'd worked with for a long, long time. And uh, I left there, and a lot of people said, well, you'll be back, and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, I found out that even though my job was important to me, it didn't define me. And uh, a lot of times when we have a change or we have uh, to take a step forward, our first temptation is to go back to where it's safe, where we know, where we're at, you know, because that's an easy place. But I think you said something earlier. There's no going back. It wouldn't be the same. And because somebody else has already stepped up to fill that spot, somebody else is already uh, engaged. And a lot of times, uh, if, if we don't make a commitment to where we're headed, then we'll always be disappointed with where we are. And, and I, I don't want to live my life uh, disappointed with my, you, know, you understand? I want to live life excited about what's going to happen, what's coming up, and uh, what the next step. What gives me so much comfort is knowing that God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, not only provides instruction, but he gives guidance. See, instruction is... You want to go to downtown Austin? Well, just get out to the highway right here, make the U-turn, head southbound, continue for X number of miles, and you get there. That's instruction. Guidance is to say, all right, when you come out here, there's going to be a little bit of traffic. You want to look carefully to the left and to the right. Sometimes you don't see cars making because there's a sharp turn here. And when you turn in there, you want to pay attention there's two exits you could take. I'd rather that you take this one because if you take this one, you avoid all of this kind of traffic. And depending on the time of the day, it might be better for you to stay on the highway or to take the feeder road or maybe to go into town a little bit and go through that. There aren't too many instructions he gives us, but there's a lot of guidance yes, that's in correct. the office. And the question, I think a lot of people have received from him instruction. A lot of people know that God has called them to a ministry, that God has called them to, to minister to a person or to a, a place. They know that God has a call upon their life, that he has given them a particular gift or talent, and he, he wants them to use it. But knowing to use it is good knowing how to use it is even better. And he wants to help us in that regard. And I've, I've always known that there was a call of God upon my life. And moving past all the struggles of not wanting it to embracing it, I never really knew exactly what it was. I thought I did. 
until he started giving me the guidance on the day-to-day. And the thing about guidance is it's, it's constant, it's continuous. Right. I, I have to keep going back. It's, it's, it's the navigation system on the dash. Yep. It doesn't just, it's not the old map quest you print, turn left, turn right. It's, 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 it's got real-time traffic updates. It tells you that there's a speed trap coming up. It tells you that there's an accident that's been reported five miles out. It tells you that be prepared f- to slow speed. It tells you to consider an alternative route. The s- truth is that even though we graduate from different levels, you never really truly graduate from the school of life till he calls you home. And so as long as you're still alive, you're enrolled in the next level. That's right. Congratulations. You've made it past this milestone. You've made it past this checkpoint. There's something else. And don't think, don't get me wrong, there's some experience that you've built that will give you the wisdom to navigate some things, but don't think, like I said earlier, what got you here will not be enough to keep you here or take you to the next level, right? If you studied well to make it through college you're going to study twice or three times as much to make it through law school <laughs> that's right you're right. Gonna, you and, 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 and if you were really good as a student then you, you need to be even better as an employee and if you were good as an employee you're going to be need, you're even going to need to be even better than that to be a boss that's or a right. manager that's or right. a supervisor uh, or a leader yeah, and, you, and you never stop I mean, one of the things I'm proud is I know that I always have a boss. And, and one of the humbling things that, that I get to do is to be under someone else's ministry. Um, yeah. you know, the, I'm, I'm part of the worship team, even though I've led it. But to be under someone else's leadership, uh, someone I'm much older than, yeah. someone over whom I have more experience. But, but I, what, I, what I love about being under Ashlyn's leadership in praise and worship is not only the humbling experience of it, is that I continue to remain teachable. And she has taught me a lot. And, um, and I think for everyone who is committed and interested in growing in life, they always need to remember that there is always, and there should always be something that you're learning. And if you're not learning, then maybe perhaps you're not living and that's true. You have to you have to be teachable. Uh, I think that one of the things that Holy Spirit does that's really important for people to understand is He won't force Himself mm. on you. That's you true. have to listen. Now, if you want to go, if you want if you want to have good guidance, you have to pay attention and not well, that's not the way I wanted to go, and you know that kind of stuff, because the Holy Spirit won't uh, force you to do anything. So so many times, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I've experienced in following the Lord is simply learning that every time I come to a junction that there's two things that's got to happen. One, I have to listen. Mm-hmm. 
to, I've got to act. I've got to make a decision. And uh, if you're in, in your life, you can spend so much time trying to make a decision that you miss your opportunity. And uh, I don't think that, I, I, th I think we need to be willing to make decisions because the Holy Spirit helps us to know which decision to make. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I talked about this morning when the children of Israel left Egypt. A couple of things happened. One, uh, they, they had a whole lot of stuff that they'd never had before. They had, they had the gold. They had riches. They had stuff that slaves had not have been allowed to have. And so they take off, and they're joyful. They're, they're, they're doing all that kind of stuff. But the problem was is that Pharaoh changed his mind. He said, send his army after the uh, Israelites. Well, actually, if you read that passage of Scripture, it says the Holy Spirit was even taking the wheels off the chariots. So the Holy Spirit protected the Israelites and again Moses they're, they're blaming Moses you know you're the one that led us out here you're doing this so Moses starts to pray and God says something this is paraphrase but he says hey God says get your head up I've already told you what to do you know so God parts the Red Sea they get across on the other side, and uh, if you remember what happens then, Moses goes up on the mountain. He receives the law, comes back down. They're already making a golden calf. They thought Moses was gone. So it took them all of those years to learn how to trust God. Did it have to take that long? No, it didn't. And I think it's important for us to understand that all we have to do to follow the Lord is learn to trust him. Trust him with everything. Not just decision, but trust him with our life. And a lot of times, uh, when we think we can depend on ourselves, I don't know, depending on myself has gotten me in trouble several times. And Depending on God is much better because what I wind up doing is say, God, I know I messed this up, but can you help <laughs> help me again? <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot this way this works, but you know. And God always is there saying, you know, this is what you need. This is what you need to do. And uh, sometimes we make a big enough mess out of it. It takes a while to get a get out of it, but God will still help you. So many times we, we have, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, we have uncertainties that come up in our mind. And, uh, you know, the, the children of Israel definitely, after they left Egypt, they definitely had uncertainties came up in their mind. But God was always with them. He stayed with them. Even though... They didn't get to go into the promised land. God stayed with his people. 
And I think that's important for us to understand. A lot of times we need to realize that God stays with us. He doesn't run off and leave us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't wait for us to get ahead of him. He stays right there with us so that we're always, we're, he, he's always there, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like that. What do you think about this? That there is a difference between being freed and being free. In the same way, there's a difference between having graduated and being a graduate. And being freed means you have been liberated. You used to be in slavery in Egypt. You're no longer in slavery in Egypt. But your mind is still the mind of a slave because you cannot see and appreciate because one of the very first things, even God acknowledges this, I could send them through the route of the Philistines, but if they see war, they will return back to Egypt. So let me send them through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And there were so many times that they longed, they pined for Egypt. They even said to Moses, I mean, what did we do to deserve this? I mean, like, yeah, we were slaves. Yes, it was miserable. Yes, it was the worst time of our life, but, you know, we had milk and we had honey and we had this and leeches and legumes and let and you know and i think there are a lot of people who have graduated they have a diploma in hand they have crossed the aisle congratulations you're credentialed but they are not acting like a graduate because they are not acting at that next level and there's a there's a, there's a process, it's an internal process, it's a refinement process that requires you to accept and embrace who you are now in Christ or who you are now in that particular standing to say, I am this thing and I need to start thinking like this thing that I am. And I can't think like a student anymore or have the, the, the work ethic of a student. And, and now I'm an adult, I'm a contributing member of society and I have to act in that way. There aren't makeup exams, there aren't practice right. tests, there practice. aren't tutors to hold my hand There's in no that same quiz. sense. Yeah. There, there's, there's a stark, sharp difference between making it and not making it in the real world. And I have to start acting like a graduate. And now that I am free, the Bible says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I acted as a child. But now that I'm a man, it didn't say I'm doing manly things, but I've put away childish things. You know, that, that carries over in the physical and the spiritual. Uh, the Israelites were in bondage 400 years so let's basically say and that's a lot of generations that have been in slavery so uh, actually Moses had been born in slavery and he knew it wasn't right but he really didn't know what to do about it God wanted to free his children. He told them he was going to free them. And when they were freed, they still didn't think like free because what happens with freedom is really something that the slaves hadn't thought about. With freedom comes responsibility. So you're free... When you begin to take responsibility, 
for who you are, for what you do. You may have been freed a long time before you ever do that. Now, as, uh, when, when you're living in the world and of the world, I was in bondage. I was, I was in bondage. I was a slave to drugs, alcohol, all kinds of things. But Jesus set me free. Now, he did that just like he did with the Israelites. They were in bondage one day, and they left freed the next day. That's what happened to me. But I did not know how to live free. I was free from alcohol, free from drugs. I was free from uh, cursing. I was free from other things. But it took me several years to get to where I could live free because I had to take responsibility. It wasn't, you know, I, I'll just say this, and, and, and I, I mean it, but I could say, well, my father was an alcoholic, so that's the reason I was alcoholic. But that's not the reason I was alcoholic. The reason I was alcoholic because I chose to drink. I could say something else about drugs, but I'm the one that chose to take it. So I had to take responsibility for who I could had been before I could really accept the responsibility for who God was making me to be. I know that sounds strange, but the truth is, is that that old man that was in bondage died that day. So the new man had to begin to live a life that was free, free from drugs, free from alcohol, free from sin, free from all kinds of things that, but I had to take the responsibility to do that. And over the years, uh, of course, the old man still tries to follow you around. And so there's always, uh, we're, we're all going to face temptation. We're all going to face uh, things that, that we could, quote unquote, go back to. But one of the things that's important to realize is, and the Israelites kept thinking about, you know, it's, it's I mean, that couldn't have been, uh, that couldn't have been a life that was anybody wanted. But when they're in, following the Lord, they started thinking about what they had left back in Egypt. Just like you were talking about the different foods. At least we had this, at least we had that. And uh, in reality, once they started to go on toward the promised land, not only did their lives change, the lives of the country changed. Actually, history changed. There, there is... There is a journey that we must take on our own. In, in, in Greek mythology, it's the hero's journey. It's, it's the path of self-discovery. It requires you leaving home and going on an adventure. <coughs> it's Jason on the Argonauts. You encounter monsters and exotic places, exotic creatures, and 
you're tempted, you're forced to grow, you're faced with tough choices. And, and how you navigate that determines who comes out on the other end. The worst possible thing is for you to come back from that journey being the very same, same boy, person you left, same yeah. level of ignorance, naivete about the world. What you want to do is you want to come back wise, informed, that the world is not as simple and plain, that there is good and there is evil. And especially what you touched on, that there is responsibility that must be had. That's the difference between a boy and a man. It's true. A boy might be aware of responsibilities, but a man chooses to willingly, voluntarily accept, accept the responsibilities right. and the consequences thereof. That's right. Because sometimes responsibilities are fun. Sometimes they can be very debilitating. Yeah. But what a man is able to do, what an adult, a woman also, what an adult, a mature person is able to do is recognize that there's an inevitability to responsibility. And responsibility is not a thing that you sort of touch and you get to set down. Once you pick it up, you've got to go all the way through it. And when you're done with it, congratulations, you get more. That's and right. I've used this analogy before. Congratulations, you're a student, you graduated, now go be an adult in yes. the workplace. And you're good at that job, congratulations, now you're a boss, you're responsible for five new people who were you five years ago. Yep. And once you're done with that, congratulations, now you're responsible for the entire company. And congratulations, there's a girlfriend. Congratulations, it's a fiance. Congratulations, it's a wife. Oh, congratulations, now you're a father. Yep. Congratulations, now you're a grandfather. Congratulations, now you gotta be responsible for her family and her families and her brother and that, you know, and that neighbor. It's inescapable. But the people who truly are successful, the people who truly do graduate are the people who willingly see responsibility coming and choose to say, I want that. Now here's the thing, you might not feel like you're ready for it. You might not even feel like you can bear it. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and what I love about Scripture's recording of Jesus' life is, in, in, in not just of Jesus' life, but of all the characters of godly men and women in the Bible, the Bible did not shy away from showing us the struggles and the challenges they had. Because I'll be honest, I would have a really hard time if all I read in the Bible were, ooh, everything was easy and everything just worked out right. You know, Abraham, yes, he was a man of faith, but... I know that there were moments where he doubted because he asked God, he's like, you know, uh, it's 25 years. You remember that child promise thing? He tried to help God along yes, the way. He did. Yes. And here's Jesus in the garden, recognizing what responsibility lies ahead of him at the cross. Yes. In a few hours' time, actually in a, just a matter of mere minutes, I mean, the guards have already left the, 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 the chief priest's house, they're all with their torches and their swords. They're coming right now. <laughs> the devil is rubbing his hands and saying, yes, I, I've got him right where I want him. And, and, and Jesus recognizes this cup, this burden, this responsibility that you have. <sighs> I wish I could be a kid if I could paraphrase him and not have responsibility and just chill and not have a care in the world but I'm a man, I'm a son of man. 
This is my purpose. This is my calling. This is why I'm here. And as much as it will be easier for me not to face it, not my will. Yes, yours. yours be done. There's so many times I don't want to be a graduate. I don't want to be free. <laughs> it's nice to be a slave because I could blame it on someone else. It's the master. Yeah. He forced me. Look at the chains. Yeah. yeah. It w I didn't want to, but <coughs> if I didn't, he would kill me. And I could say that I'm a student. I'm still learning. I could make mistakes. But when you graduate, you should know better. That's right. I can't make that same mistake. That's a rookie mistake. I'm a pro. I'm a veteran now. And, and, and Jesus gives that example. And he says to the Father, but not my will, but yours be done. And I know, like I said, there's so many times I would love to be a kid. There's so many times, you know, I had to grow up a little quicker and sooner than most people did. Yes, and yes. there were times I, I, I really just, you know, I was 16 when I started college. And, and a lot of my, you know, age mates were just fooling around. Yes. Yeah. You know, and Still I'm like, playing. Yeah, I wish I could do that. And here I was at 17, 18, I started paying a mortgage. Yeah. It was like, ah. I had older siblings who were living rent-free. Yeah. Uh, why do I have to do it? But I thank God for his grace and in, in, in for me being able to, maybe not as willingly as I'm saying it now, because I know I had some difficulties with it of saying, all things get to work out for good. And not my will, but yours be done. And in doing so, I became a graduate. In doing so, I became free. But it's not freedom with reckless abandon. It's freedom with responsibility. Exactly. It's freedom with recognizing that he has put me on a stage, and, and I need to be careful how I use my time, my treasure, my talent. And I can't be as, as nonchalant as a child would. And part of the responsibility is I now have to take care of the kids. I now have to make sure that they graduate too. That's, that's part of my charge. And God help me because sometimes I look at them. <laughs> Jesus says to <laughs> Peter, feed my sheep. And I'm guessing Peter probably looks across because he's, he's right here sitting with Jesus. He looks across and he's probably seeing James and John playing around with a net. And he's going like, no, no, not those two idiots. <laughs> I, I gotta be, ah, oh, no. That's your sheep. Like, like, that's who you want me to feed. And the third time it, it finally dawns. Yeah. I've been made ready for this moment because I spent three and a half years with the master. He drew me into his inner circle. He took me to some of the most intimate places, the raising of Jairus' daughter, the transfiguration on the mount. I was there with him in all those critical, important moments. I'm ready for this. We're ready for this. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of people need to realize they're ready for this. That you're, you're ready for this. You're, you, you, you made up all this stuff in your mind, but you're ready for this. This is the next step. And uh, with all of the stuff that's happened with the pandemic, everything's brand new, man. It's not like it used to be. So graduating now is going to mean something different than it meant two years ago. Yep. You're going to be graduating into a workplace that's going to be more competitive to uh, more demanding and in some ways totally different than what 
uh, a job would have looked like before the pandemic. Um, and I think we need to, you know, I, I really pray for our, our young people because they're graduating into a, into a different world. I know everybody's thinking everything's back to normal, but it's not like it was, and it's never going to be. Uh, but these guys are graduating, you know, from high school and university into a, into a whole new world. And, uh, you know, for some of them who were, uh, you know, second and third year, I think it's going to be a really interesting time. And, um, you know, serving the Lord, I, I think what you, the, the comments that you made about the Holy Spirit guiding us are really important for us to understand because um, I think our young people are going to need to hear that. They're going to need to. There's, there's other people that need to hear that things are going. Church is different. So it's all it's all it's all another step, you know, in the, uh, in 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 life's journey. I'm always excited to see what God's going to do next. Yeah. Oh, nothing's the same. Thank you for doing this with me. Um, I'm glad we started again. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> you don't really miss that much of a step in it. Um, I'm excited for the next chapter for our lives individually, but for us as a church, yes, um, yeah. there's going to be some growing pain with transitioning. Um, and, um, you know, we can never get quite comfortable with, you know, the cushy chairs of the <laughs> movie theater. But you said something interesting. You know, look around you. The, the seating capacity of this auditorium, that's the seating capacity we're going to have. That's so right. How about we fill this place up so that's that, right. uh, you know, we kind of get used to it on that. And um, he's given us the instruction. And we'll continue to depend on him for guidance. Amen. And uh, that he will give. And by his grace and through faith, we'll obey. It's, it's good to be back. Let's go be graduates. That's right. It's been the uh, blessing and the honor of our lives to share this moment and share this journey with you. I hope that you've been um, just as blessed as we've been in having this conversation. Um, always excited. Uh, we've got some new and exciting things coming up. We've got a website we're about right, to launch, right, right. social media, and um, uh, one of the things we're interested in is to start engaging and interacting with you, to hear from you, hear some of the topics that you might actually want us to uh, discussed or hear your feedback and some right, of the things right. that uh, we, we, we've had. So wonderful opportunities for you all to be a part of this conversational journey of faith. Um, it's a covenant podcast and uh, it's a promise that uh, we aim to keep and we thank you for being wonderful listeners and uh, we pray that you have a blessed week ahead. God bless. God bless.